You're listening to a New York Sports Nation production, enhancing your New York sports experience. All right, welcome to the Giants Nation podcast presented by New York Sports Nation. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with Danny King. Danny, how you doing? Doing great. How are you? Good. Just uh, we're, So we're coming off that Super Bowl yesterday. I, you know, I can enjoy a low-scoring Super Bowl. It was a little boring, but I, I'm not hating on the game. Although, I mean, obviously we could look for something a little more exciting. But it, it, you know, all yesterday, man, it was just bringing back memories of, you know, the Giants beating the Patriots. And, uh, in fact, our, our tweet that, uh, you know, saying, you know, we're the, you know, not everybody can beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. That one got uh, some some good traction. Yeah, like 200. Yeah, something like that. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to do a little house cleaning, talking a little bit about Kyle Murray. And then we're just going to talk about Super Bowl memories, kind of some basic stuff on what we need to get back there. We're going to talk, you know, Super Bowl 42, Super Bowl 46. But like I said, we got to do a little house cleaning before that. Kyler Murray, uh, he did the whole media uh, deal uh, last week, Super Bowl week. He was sponsored by Gatorade. And so, you know, he's a big name. He, You know, he's he's hot in the streets right now. So people wanted to get, get him on the show. So Dan Patrick, who, you know, is one of the best interviewers in, in the game, had him on. And... I don't know if you've seen it. If you if you haven't, you know, look up Kyler Murray, Dan Patrick. But it might be one of the worst interviews I've ever seen in my life. I mean, he wasn't just like not giving non-answers, like you know, like Russell Wilson, like oh, we just gonna work hard and make the right decision. He just was literally just like let, slouching back in his chair and not like not answering questions, just going, eh, yeah, I don't, mm, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> and Dan Patrick's like, would you answer the question? You know, Dan Patrick is grilling him. I mean, what, what were your thoughts on it? He reminded me of like a high school student, like that didn't know an answer to a question, and he's like, I-, "I don't know," but yeah, like Dan Patrick, he said he's one of the best, well-known sports guy out there, and he's asking these questions. Kyler, as you see, he's like, "I don't know." He's like, Dan was basically answering the question for him. He's like, "Are you gonna have a pro day?" And he's like, "I don't know." He's like, "You should have a pro day. It's useful." He, I, he blew my mind with that interview. Obviously, we're not bashing the guy because maybe he maybe does like talking to the media, but that's that's an important part, and so he failed that right now. Yeah, it and like like you said, we're not like bashing like up. Oh, this guy's a bust now; he's not worth it. But it was like mind boggling that he wasn't smart enough to not know that you're gonna get these questions and just have that that same basic canned answer ready. Just being like, listen, we're we have we're weighing all the options. We haven't made a clear cut decision yet. Uh, but if I go to the NFL, I'm gonna be in the combine. I'm gonna do a pro day, but I haven't made that decision. I mean, it's, I just feel like it's so super, super simple. And plus, he had been doing all the radio shows, you know, was, you know, he was, you know, with uh, uh, Media Row uh, for Super Bowl week. You know, they, everybody has a sponsorship. He was sponsored by Gatorade. And he just, he had nothing. And it was just mind-boggling to me that the uh, the guy wasn't smart enough to be ready. And, I mean, he just kind of looked like a, like a bum. I'm not, you know, yeah. like I said, I'm not saying that he's not going to be a good QB. And, it is, you know, it's not going to make me not want to draft him if, if he's the best available. But, I mean, it definitely blew my mind that he just wasn't ready for that at all. And especially a guy with Dan Patrick who's going to try and make you comfortable. 
No, yeah, like, like the difference between ba- Baker is not afraid to talk to the media. He'll give you his flaws. Kyler Murray, just, as we said, he's just there, like, it just, as you said, it's just so, I just can't believe what I saw when he did that. But then he went on the ESPN, and he had, like, better answers. It was like, they're like, all right, guy, listen, you actually have to give answers this time. It's like, oh, okay, my bad, I forgot I had to. Yeah, it, it was brutal. Um, and, and like you, we were talking earlier, you're just, you're just, it just made you cringe. It's like, man, what are you, like, I, I, it just, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm beating the same drum, but it just blew my mind that he just wasn't, was not ready. He was slacking his chairs. Like, man, do you realize, like, Dan Patrick has one of the, the top radio shows in the nation. Like, lots of people are going to see this. And it, I mean, it made its way around. Everybody was talking about it on Friday when it came out. Um, that being said, it's a it's a long process in the draft, so that will be forgotten, and in about a week when we start talking combine and all that stuff. Yeah. All right, so I, we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. We got that house cleaning out of the way. There's there's nothing else. Giants news. What was there? Am I missing anything, Danny? Nah, not that I know of. This was just mainly Super Bowl weekend, just making fun of Patriots fans for me. Yeah. So yeah, definitely. Um, so I guess. What we should be looking out for next is Eli to make an official decision whether he's going to come back or not. I think everybody's leaning that he will, but uh, you know it's not official yet. But uh, so we're going to talk about the Super Bowl, or sorry, talk about the, the past Giants Super Bowls, kind of go down memory lane, talk about the future. But before that, a quick ad from Anchor. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will, di- will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. All right, so we're going to talk a little about Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46. Both Giants wins over the Patriots. Tom Brady, he's 6-3 and three in the Super Bowl. Two losses to Eli, our guy. Now, Super Bowl 42, I, I, I guess we'll start in that chronologically. I mean, just to kind of give some of my memories from that year, it was, just, it was a wild year. You know, it was up and down. Coughlin was supposed to be fired at the end of the season, and – for some reason, a play that sticks out in my mind at the end of the regular season is against the Bills when we clinched was uh, Kawika Mitchell, uh, his interception against the Bills, which clinched clinched us in the playoffs. And then when it became kind of real was that uh, Week 17 against the undefeated Patriots at the time when we went toe-to-toe with them. We ended up losing 38-35, was in the game where Brady uh, broke the touchdown record as well as Randy Moss did. And everyone was saying, like, it's a statement loss, and I'm not like a – like I, I don't really believe in statement losses, but that really was because that like that set a tone like this team could compete with anybody because the Patriots were blowing out everybody that year. They had like maybe one close game against the Ravens and one other that's slipping my mind. But they were a dominant team, like obviously by records, Dan. And that was it was at that moment where I was like, man, this team can actually play. And we, I mean, we know the playoff run. I mean, what you know, obviously before the Super Bowl, what about that season? Like really stuck out in your head. Well, one of my favorite plays was it was also in that Buffalo games when Ahmad Bradshaw took that just all like it was just snowing hard. He was able to take that hand off and just sprinting down the field. Bills players missing left and right. That that's one of the points that stuck out to me. And in that Patriots, that the Giants only lost thirty eight thirty five against the undefeated New England Patriots. 
that's the Giants were like a team that people were like, oh yeah, okay, they're gonna make the playoffs. But as you, a stamped game against the Patriots, the Giants, yeah, they're just a team that no one expected, and then from out of nowhere, they come and win a Super Bowl. It's unheard of, improbable. Yeah, and and you mentioned that Ahmad Bradshaw run. That was when Ahmad Bradshaw was really introduced to New York Giants everywhere. You know, he had played a little bit in the season, but that was the one where we got introduced to him. And and I actually remember because I'm a pretty optimistic fan. In fact, since that season, I've never picked the Giants to lose a game, except for uh, the Raiders-Geno Smith game. We don't talk about that. Um, and uh, going into that season, I remember in, you know, saying to myself, because Tiki retired, Eli hadn't proven anything yet, and I was just telling myself, like, we're going to suck this year. This is going to be a bad year for the Giants. We just lost Tiki, who are their only offense, and Eli had been inconsistent at best up to that point. He had, he had shown some flashes of, of greatness. He was, he was really... Uh, his best uh, ability was his fourth quarter comebacks, and you know we we saw that you know firsthand, and we'll talk about it in the Super Bowl. But I mean, it was just an amazing season how it all came together, and we truly were ward world warriors. We won eight straight games on the road, including the three in the playoffs. You know, we beat Tampa in that first round, and and also everybody remembers we started out own two, and we beat those two teams who beat us in those first two games, the the Packers and the Cowboys. The Cowboys had swept us. And then with, you know, I believe, but when we beat the Cowboys, because the Cowboys were really good that year, it was Romo's ball and his, you know, Terrell Owens. And that was when it was like, oh my gosh, this team, like we can compete with anybody. I mean, I'm, you know, the long Monty Tumor touchdown and then, you know, Brandon Jacobs throwing the ball yeah, at the time clock. Sure. One of my favorite moments of all time. Uh, very, very iconic that was. And then I just remember in that, like, second when, um, the Tony Romo threw the pass to the end zone and it was picked off by the Giants in the, the divisional playoff game. Like, they're going to the NFC Championship game. I was in shock. Because still, to this day, just seeing that ball in the air, and I'm like, just don't let the Cowboys catch it. Because I, I, I always think, like, the worst. I'm like, all right, they're going to catch it. They're going to win. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to win the Super Bowl. And then it's caught. I'm like, we're going to face the Green Bay Packers in the NFC Championship game. Yeah, it was amazing. And then uh, I have to give a little plug. Brandon Jacobs throwing that clock. We actually talked to him about that in the latest episode. Some man radio's out now, so go check it out. All right, that's that's the last man radio plug. Um, and then so like you said, we move on to the Packers and NFC Championship game, one of the coldest games of all time. I mean, Tom Coughlin looked like a cherry out there on the sidelines. <laughs> the the guys on the O line decided not to wear sleeves, which was I was an offensive lineman in college, and guys, I mean, I guess I'm from from Florida and going, and I went up and played in Minnesota. I got, I got shame for wearing sleeves, but I'm like, you know what? I don't want to be cold. Like, I don't I don't know who I'm – how would I prove what I'm doing by what I do on the field? But that's a side note anyways. And one of the wildest games where we had two chances to win it in regulation and Lawrence Tynes missed both field goals. And, I mean, I remember it was in the MySpace days, and I was posting on MySpace just going off that, like, what what is Lawrence Tynes doing? He's completely blowing this for us. And it's just like it's like we're just de- it seemed like we were destined to lose that game with Lawrence Tynes missing those two first field goals in regulation. No, yeah, bring back to the point of the O line wearing no sleeves. Uh, I think it was David Dealer, Sean O'Hara did an interview to saying they regretted that decision the moment they did it because it was like it was the tundra. It was, but yeah, Lawrence Tynes missing those two field goals. It was like. But he redeemed himself in the best time possible. No, everyone, no one talks about those two missed field goals he missed. Everyone only talks about the field goal that he made that kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl. He he basically made us all forget. 
Yeah, definitely, because you know he was there for the second Super Bowl too. So everybody remembers, everybody remembers that last kick, you know, that won the game, and then you know winning winning the two Super Bowls. So everybody, you know, Lawrence Times goes down in like New York Giants history. But he definitely could have screwed us, you know, because he, you know, uh, you know the Packers got the ball in overtime, and you know Brett Favre throws that pick to Corey Webster, who Corey Webster, you know, he he really stepped up his game in the playoffs because he was kind of he was iffy in his career up to that point, and he had a, he had a great playoffs. Uh, had that pick and Lawrence Tynes. And I heard a story that Lawrence Tynes, because Coughlin was debating about going for it on fourth down, that as soon as they hit fourth, Tynes went onto the field and he was like, he refused to come off. <laughs> I love Lawrence Tynes. Yeah. He, he, speaking of Lawrence Tynes, he gets, he's pretty chirpy. You see him on Twitter. He, he yeah, he's chirp people. I, I love him. He, I follow him on Twitter. He makes me laugh every time. Yesterday in the Super, in the Super Bowl, he tweeted out, uh, "Hey Rams, there's a guy on line one that knows how to win in a fourth quarter game in the Super Bowl." Yeah, definitely. And uh, so the Super Bowl, some of the things from that week. Um, you know, I, I had never witnessed a Super Bowl. You know, in my a Super Bowl championship in my life, I, I think the first Super Bowl I ever watched was us losing to the Ravens um, with Kerry Collins and, and Jim Fossil. But I mean, there's no feeling like that. Is is that Super Bowl Sunday leading up to it? And man, what a day! I mean, I remember leading up to it, the the Plaxico beers guaranteeing the win. Uh, I think it was twenty one seventeen. That either it was either twenty one seventeen or twenty seventeen. He guaranteed the Giants victory. And Tom Brady getting told about that, he laughs. He's like, "We're going to only score seventeen points." Ha ha ha! And uh. In fact, one of my favorite YouTube videos, like dedicated to that Super Bowl team, it starts out with like, "We're only going to score out 17 points." Ha, ha! It just slows it down. And obviously, the story of that Super Bowl was the Giants' D line. Michael Strahan, everybody knew at that point. It was you know the last game of his career. I mean, in fact, he he had debated retiring the the into the training camp. I remember he he didn't. I don't think he even showed up the training camp right away because he was debating retiring that year. Maybe it was might have been the year before. But I remember that OC Humanor had had established himself, but Justin Tuck was kind of a no name going into those playoffs and really showed himself. I mean, he's he's a legend in, in New York Giants, uh, in the New York Giants world. Yeah, and it allowed us to run that famous NASCAR package where you got Strahan and Humanor on the edge, and then you're you're pitting Tuck on the inside, who's a top defensive end, but the guy's huge. And it it we just got to Brady all night long, and we're able to rattle him. The Giants legally owned Tom Brady in that game. That that just owned him. Yeah, and and I, it's, and uh, it's something about Eli and Tom Coughlin that has always been successful against the Patriots. Even the last time we played, which was Coughlin's last year, um, I think the Patriots won the Super Bowl that year, uh, or maybe did they? I, I'm not, not sure. I'm actually, gonna... I think that was the year the Broncos won. But anyways, I mean, we were right there. We should, you know, Landon Collins, he dropped a wide open interception uh, to to seal that game. I mean, we beat them the year we uh, the the next Super Bowl year in the regular season as well. And it's something about Eli, and I talked about it on Simple Man yesterday, where like Jared Goff and his struggles in the Super Bowl um, on Sunday were when he's when everything's not going perfect and the play action is not uh, getting guys open and, the, and his favorite routes, the crossing routes aren't there. He's just not a guy that gets it done. And we saw that. Whereas Eli, you know, as, as everybody mocks him for all the interceptions he's thrown and the, and the decisions he makes and, and not, be, not running out of the pocket. What Eli is great at is being cold blooded, 
whether it's an interception or a touchdown, he has that same look on his face, and he could get just smacked, and he's going to get the ball downfield no matter what, and he's, he's never going to be afraid of any throw. I mean, and we, we'll see, that, you know, and that David Tyree throw, which is unbelievable because, you, know, you know, we've talked with uh, a few of the Giants players from that team, and every single one said, like, I couldn't believe they didn't call the ball dead. Because you know any other, you know almost any other time that play gets called dead, it's forward progress, and we're we're dealing with four, fourth and fourteen. Yeah, as you said, like obviously now Eli, he's, he's not as we've seen him this year, kind of trying to lead fourth quarter drives, and he failed a few of them. But what? Uh, but I feel like Eli is a different person in the playoffs. Like he becomes a different beast of himself. Like yeah, it's so Eli Manning, but like he's got like ice in his veins. He doesn't fear you. He could be down, and he will make the call. He will get as close as he can to a comeback. And obviously, just Tom Coughlin and Man, they are that duo that can't get it done. And that's why I feel like obviously we're in the playoffs with Ben McAdoo in 2016. Maybe if Tom Coughlin was our coach, obviously if we've made it, but maybe if Tom Coughlin was our coach, maybe we'd be sitting here with five Super Bowl rings instead of the uh, instead of the four. But then obviously, and then yeah, like in today's game, that it, having the jersey grab that would have been called dead. And we'd be staring at a totally different universe with maybe the Giants only having three Super Bowls if they went on to win 2011. Yeah, and uh, Kevin Gilbride's offense, who, you know, he was office coordinator for both yeah. Super Bowls and, and then retired, which led to Ben McAdoo, the name we don't say, coming in. Um, <laughs> and uh, what, he would, he, what he really flourished on was option routes. And that was a lot of Eli's picks where wide receivers went uh, running the wrong routes because – they they told the receivers like you have to make the right decisions and the ball's going to be there, and that's how teams like the Giants are able to beat great teams like like the Patriots and and any other team that they've went up against in the playoffs is they don't completely change their game plan because you know a lot of times people over game plan against the Patriots they overthink things where the Giants have always done we're going to do what we do best and we're gonna and we're gonna we're just gonna shove it down your throat and we're gonna throw it to Plaxico I mean Plaxico. Plaxico was really the difference maker because it made teams uh, respect the deep ball, have to you know keep a couple safeties back deep, and even then Plaxico had great games in the NFC Championship game. He balled out, but it really let guys like Brandon Jacobs and Ahmad Bradshaw um, establish themselves. Even though they didn't have great games in the Super Bowl, but in the playoffs leading up to it, they both played amazing. No, yeah, like people are saying, if like if Plaxico burst in and um, shoot himself in the foot the following year, maybe the Giants could have been in the playoffs or been a Super Bowl contender that year as well, but I just I can still see it now. I just I dream about it. Just that ball floating in the air as slow as it can be, just like like it's dropping so slow. Everyone's just following it. The players on the sideline are just all tracking it, and he's just wide open in the back of the end zone. Touchdown Giants. Yeah, that like I agree 100. percent Like because the uh, the Patriots, you know, ran a, a cover zero uh, a blitz. So you got a free man. It's complete man coverage. And, you know, everybody knew what was coming. Eli knew it was coming, and he throws that corner out to Plax. And uh, Plax beats the guy. But like you said, I don't think a ball's ever been in the air so long. I think the David Tyree ball came down quicker. Because, I mean, I think every single Giants fan and every Patriots fan in the world would just sat in silence for what felt like, you know, an eternity. And you know, we see that when receivers are the most open, that's when they're the most vulnerable to drop a pass because they have to think about it. There's, you know, it's like a kick. It's like almost like a kicker. And you're just like, oh, please, please catch it. Please catch it because you know the ball's getting there. And he catches it, man. And I just, I, you know, I was I was 16 at the time. 
exploded, you know, just exploded, had my driver's license and, and, uh, you know, and just, you know, after the game just went and start, just went driving around the town screaming <laughs> because I think it's, it's the greatest feeling I've ever had as a, as a sports fan in my life. Uh, obviously I was a little younger when that happened, but I still remember him just being wide open in the back of the end zone, just everyone around me celebrating, going like crazy, knowing that the Giants are about to win their third Super Bowl title. Yeah, and it's it's history because one, David Tyree Henley catch is the most famous play in Super Bowl history. It has to be. I mean, I mean, what? No I mean, my mind. what? Yeah, what are some that come up to your mind that might be close, even though I don't think there really is any. Uh, Mario Manningham's catch on the sideline, Super Bowl Forty Six. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I mean that was an amazing play. But the the tire, you know, from you know the offensive line getting completely beat, Eli, who's not a scrambler at all, scrambling, break, break, breaking away. And throwing uh, really what was a duck, and Tyree catching on his helmet. I mean, it just everything about it is is one of the craziest plays in history. And any any time it comes up, man, it just it brings back amazing memories. And and Eli, Eli and Coughlin get their Super Bowl. And I mean, it was just it uh it really cemented Eli. Obviously, we're going to talk about the second one here coming up, but uh, it really showed the league that like this guy is a real deal. You can make your interception jokes. You can make your jokes about how he makes dumb faces. But the guy's a Super Bowl champion at the time. He had just as many as Peyton and ended up, you know, having more than Peyton until he got his final one. Yep. All right, so Super Bowl 46 was another wild ride. Um, a very similar team with, with a few differences. You know, Michael Strahan was gone. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul had moved into that role. Uh our wide Plaxico's gone and Monty Tumor's gone where uh, guys like Manningham and, and Victor Cruz had moved into those and Hakeem Nix had moved into those roles. And uh, Rich Soybert was gone and Kevin Booth had moved in, but pretty much the exact same offensive line, which I think was a key to this team's success. Um, and it started with uh, the Falcons in the divisional or in the wild card round. We beat them 24 to two. The only points they got was a safety. And it really showed teams that listen, like this isn't a fluke. These giants are are, the, are here to, here again, and they're ready to dominate teams, and they're they're taking no prisoners. And it led to a Super Bowl win. But I mean, I mean, was there anything that really stuck out to you in that Falcons game? Just the defense holding them to two points. Like the offense being gave up the two points, and the defense was locked down. They were not letting the Falcons anywhere near that end zone. That's what stood out to me. Yeah, and that was the beginning of, you know, the Matt Ryan Falcons with Roddy White. And I can't remember if Julio Jones was a part of that team. Maybe not. But that that was – and Michael Turner. And that was an electric offense from the Falcons. And to just completely shut them out was amazing. And it, it really sent a message to, you know, the rest of the NFL. No, yeah. The the Giants being able – because, yeah, Matt Ryan was just starting out. But he, he wasn't terrible. He made his team to the playoffs. So, I mean, he did something right. And then just that – just Jason Pierre-Paul – that that was his first year. He had a great year with that block kick against Dallas. Just as you said, this was another statement game by the Giants saying you cannot count us out when we are in the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, and we actually ended up beating Dallas in Week 17 to to and, and essentially the NFC East Championship game. Um, then we move on to Green Bay, and Green Bay was dominant that year. They started out 14 and 0 before losing to the Chiefs in Week 16. And, you know, they're coming off Super Bowl victory, and they were the odds-on's favorite to win the Super Bowl. And, and they, I mean, they were dominant. Aaron Rodgers won the MVP that season. And it seemed like nobody could beat them. And, and once again, 
as World Wars, we go into Lambo, and we start out pretty good. And then what really, I think, put the dagger in the Packers was the Hail Mary at the end of the half to Hakeem Nix, which, I mean, it wasn't necessarily a Hail Mary, but it was, you know, a 40-yard pass at the end of the half to really be like, like, try and come back from that Aaron Rodgers, and they just weren't able to do it. I, I Yeah, but in 2016, I remember when Aaron Rodgers then threw the Hail Mary against us and scored a touchdown. I was like, did they really just give us karma for that Hail Mary I know, in 2011? it was horrible, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this did not just happen. But, yeah, just seeing Eli throwing up. Who, who caught him? Was that Hakeem Nix or Mario Manningham? Who, do you remember that, was, that, that, that was Nix with them that giant hands. Yeah, just throwing that up and then him coming down. From, I'm like, he caught that. Like, And then Aaron Rodgers, the pack, Lambeau Field was dead silent. You could hear a pin drop in there. No one, and then the Giants once again. They're like, "All right, we we made our point. Come at us, Pat, Green Bay." They couldn't. They were just in shell shock for the rest of that game. Definitely. And then on the other side of the divisional round was uh, the Saints and the 49ers, which was one of the one of the all time great playoff games. And the 49ers were a great team. We'll talk about the NFC Championship, obviously. But I'll tell you what, I really do think we lucked out because I I'll I'll be straight up. I was afraid of the Saints at home that year because that they were just completely dominant when they were in the dome that year. That was what, when Jimmy Graham was at his best. They were unstoppable. I think, in fact, I think we might've even lost to them that season. Um, pretty bad on a Monday night football game. Maybe that was a year before. I know we did. It was 49, 24 new Orleans. Yeah. I, I was completely afraid of playing new Orleans in the dome. Um, I think they were undefeated, uh, you know, like for like a, a, like a three year period in the dome. And they were just unbelievable in the offense. You know, Jimmy Graham and Drew Brees seemed like they were throwing a touchdown pass every third pass. But Alex Smith and and the Jim Harbaugh 49ers ended up pulling that out and hosted us in the candles and candlestick for the NFC Championship game, which I really think that might be Eli's greatest games because he the kid took a beating that game. Yeah. I mean, I've never seen it. You know, I've never seen a guy take such a beating and just completely sling the ball. And that's when, and that's the, really the game I point to because everybody likes to say, oh, Eli self-sacks himself. He just falls to the ground, which in the regular season I get because you kind of have to take care of yourself so you can be in those situations. Um, but that game proved like, no, he's not this – he's not like soft. That's what – him doing that in the regular season is just damage control because he took hits like I've never seen before and continued to sling the ball downfield and made plays. And we got a few breaks on on the would-be fumble on the kick return um, that ended up being called dead. I mean, that could have really screwed us. But uh, that was actually on my birthday, too. So that was a pretty cool birthday present. I mean, I mean, what a game, though. I mean, it, it was one of those ones where it just kept you on your on your toes the entire game. And we, we also have to remember, Eli Manning had the flu leading up to that game. He barely practiced. He practiced with the media, with, with the media watching. But then he went inside after that and got IVs. It was David Carr preparing for that game. <laughs> yeah, and like, and I think a story came out a couple weeks that like David Carr, they're preparing him to start. Although I don't, I don't believe that Eli wasn't going to play unless you know the guy was in pr- like you had to put him in a jail cell to keep him from he playing. Playing that game. Yeah, but at the same time, like you know, you like preparation is everything. Practice is everything, and for him to not really be able to practice. And, you know, David Carr, who, you know, he was a serviceable backup, having having to prepare. I mean, that doesn't look good for a team, let alone going against that, you know, that 49ers defense that was dominant with guys like Patrick Willis, uh, Alden Smith, uh, Justin Smith. I mean, that that defense was a dominant defense. And Eli was able to, to stand tough and, and do the job. No, yeah, just 
I was still when I heard that David Carr say that story. I'm like that. Like Eli is an Iron Man, and people always, as you said, bash him. I, I there's no doubt in my mind Eli should be in the Hall of Fame, but people still don't say that. But with performances like this and all everything he's done as a QB, it's undeniable. Yeah, and and I I want to talk about the the defensive side. I mean, we, we played they played shutdown offense. I I think. I mean, Alex Smith barely threw to his wide receivers in the game. There's some kind of crazy stuff in that game that I can't remember about Alex Smith and wide receivers. Um, and I think that really is what led to, uh, you know, Colin Kaepernick coming in the next year because they saw what Alex Smith did in that game. They're like, well, we, we, you know, we need Kaepernick to give this spark. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the defense played great. You know, Pierre Paul, Pierre Paul, Tuck, and Human York uh, proved to be the difference on this team. That uh, you know, ended up winning their second Super Bowl. And uh, as I said, in um, when I talked about the Falcons, the Giants defense, they be, they become a different beast in the playoffs. And when they know they need to step up, they will step up. As you said, we made Alex Smith basically benched in uh, San Francisco because, like, all right, maybe we can't win with this guy. Now we got to go put in Colin. Yeah, and and def- and our uh, and the run game played great. You know, Brandon Jacobs and our run game was actually. I think it was the wor- either the worst or the, or the 31st uh, run game in the league, and Amar Bradshaw and Brandon Jacobs really turned it on in that playoff run and proved to be difference makers. Um, and, uh, and like you said, like Ian, it's, it's defense, D-lineman. We just saw it with Sue, um, who had a very average season and, and stepped up in the playoffs. It's one of those positions where guys tend to take plays off, but in the playoffs, defenses are preparing way more. They're, they aren't taking plays off. And those three guys proved to be, you know, w- one of the main reasons we were there and the one of the main reasons we won. Yeah. But I, I want to bring up what I feel like was one of the most iconic things when Lawrence Hines, once again, kicked us into the Super Bowl. Steve Weatherford running around on the field saying, we're going to the effing Super Bowl. That's just amazing to me still. Yeah, that, that GIF is probably one of the most popular ones in, in Giants and Giants social media. Um Almost to the point where you think Weatherford kicked a field goal because he was running like he like he was the one that kicked a field goal. He was just holding it. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move on to the Super Bowl. You know, Giants, Patriots, Volume Two, and it seemed like it was the same exact game uh, all the way down to the very last drive, and you know the Patriots having some chances at hail marys. But I mean, I mean, what stuck out to you from that game? Well, I mean, probably the two most notable was the Eli Manning throwing an absolute dime into Mario Manahams hands right on the sideline. And no one that ball was placed so only Mario can catch it. No one else had a chance. Then uh, the second most iconic was Ahmad Bradshaw running, actually breaking free into the end zone. He's so confused. He's like, do I score? Do I try to run down more clock? He then just sits down into the end zone to fall so gracefully and he was like, I they wanted me to run down more clock, but I just had to score. Yeah, and I actually agreed with like you gotta score. Because I just, like, my worst nightmare is missing a chip shot field goal. Um, but, and that's a great picture of, of, of Ahmad Bradshaw. It looks like he's taking a dump uh, <laughs> as he scores. But uh, to talk about that Manningham play, I remember watching Giants games all year, and they, and they constantly talked about Marlon Manningham's biggest problem was that on deep routes, he would, const- he would always drift to the sideline. And so that shows that that wasn't, like, some lucky play. Eli had great timing with Mario because he knows that he drifts to the sideline and, and a play where he had to make a, a quick decision where he was, he was getting hit. And like you said, I mean, just put a perfect pass 
right in between two Patriots defenders where, like you said, only he could get it. And it was pitting in the perfect time because, you know, one second earlier um, and uh, the defender's there. And then one second later, he's out of bounds. Yeah, it's just like, it, like it's too different. Like, as we said, if Tyree, if that ball hit the ground, where would we be now? If Eli put that maybe like a few inches further and Mario went out of bounds, where would we be now? It's just amazing what they that these two teams have been able to do when they reach the Super Bowl. It's just mind-blowing plays, two of the best plays. Yeah, and we, we uh, actually started the, the hate for Tom Brady's wife to sell because Wes Welker had that huge drop pass that honestly probably would have ended the game. Um, and that, that's what led to the quote that uh, my husband can't throw and catch the ball, as we saw against uh, in the Eagles Super Bowl, because he, he can't catch the ball. <laughs> no, yeah, that honestly, just the Giants, when they face Tom Brady, I, I'm not sure what it is out in the regular season, they can't beat him. But coming like the playoffs, they're like, oh, okay, we like the defense is able to stop Tom Brady and that Patriots offense. The best quarterback of all time, I'm saying it, and the best one of the best head coaches of all time, the Giants are able to stop them, and it's miraculous in my opinion. Yeah, those, I mean, those guys are definitely, you know, the GOATs. Um, and, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought. But, yeah, Eli, he, you know, continues to prove himself. And uh, it's, it's that's what I was going to say. It sounds cliche, but the Giants, like, you know, to, oh, to beat Brady, you got to get pressure up the middle and hit him. Like, it sounds cliche because that's really the game plan for any quarterback. But it's more so with Brady because he gets rid of the ball so quick. And that's what Tuck and, and Pierre Paul and Newman Monroe were able to do, constantly get up the middle and, and give the guy problems. Uh, Gronk was, you know, a little bit hurt in that game. Um, a big play was that that deep ball that Brady threw to Gronk and Chase Blackburn um, ended up getting the interception. And, I mean, there was just so many plays. It, it really felt like the exact same Super Bowl as Super Bowl 42, you know, all the way down to, you know, the Hail Mary at the end. Yeah, as you said, like, it was, like, eerily reminiscent of that game. Everything on those, like, tit for tat. You had the the catch, the, the catch that defined everything. The Giants going down, t- taking the lead in the final minute, and then Tom Brady and the Patriots just having to unload down the field trying to get something. It's I it, I remember being like, this is scarily reminiscent of that, of yeah. that game. Yeah, and both, you know, uh, relatively low-scoring games, uh, at least not, you know, not compared to this past Super Bowl. But I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it cemented Tom Coughlin and Eli's uh, legacies. I mean, Eli, you know, whether you know, it's debatable, but he's going to get into the Hall of Fame, um, and it's because of those two Super Bowls. And I, I think with just one, he doesn't get in. You know, they're gonna they don't vote him in. I mean, I know that's you know, talking five years from now, but it, it made him a Hall of Famer. It, it gave Tom Coughlin the respect that listen, they didn't just they didn't just you know rally up for one run. That this guy is able to coach in the playoffs. You know, win two Super Bowls, and you know, you know. I guess we won't talk about the Coughlin firing, but it, it really, what that that team was truly a family. When you you know listen to those guys talk about each other, they truly were a family. Coughlin, who was such a hard ass on everybody, um, you know, guys didn't really like him at first, and but they look at him as a father. I mean, we saw that when Coughlin was let go by the Giants. I mean, just the the unreal support of that guy coming from guys like Tuck. Uh, Jacobs, you know, the whole offensive line with guys like Deals, you know, Soybird and Snee. Obviously, Snee is his son-in-law. But uh, I think, you know, no matter what the Giants do going forward with their next QB, I feel like that team will always be special for any Giants fan that that was alive at that point, whether, you know, whether you're there for the next run 
or you were there for the, the Bill Parcells teams. It's just something about that team really is special because, you know, of the great teams they played. And, you know, Eli, you know, uh, cementing himself as, as, you know, the greatest Giants quarterback in history. Yeah, you're right. Like, if Eli, the first game, the Super Bowl, they're like, all right, the Giants beat the Patriots. Maybe it was the Patriots weren't prepared for them. But the Patriots, when they came back again with the Giants, the Giants beat them again. Everyone's like, Eli, it's the real deal. And then, as you said, Tom Coughlin, this, this team was like family. Michael Strahan, like, 07, said, like, when he came back for um, the talk with Coughlin, Coughlin welcomed him with, like, open arms and a smile. He's like, this isn't the same guy. Tom Coughlin changed. And then, as you said, when he was fired, like, there's a video of Eli Manning actually crying, like, just devastated seeing his mentor go. That just shows how much Tom Coughlin had an effect on Eli. Yeah, and yeah, that 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 memory of Eli crying, I, I think that's like an image that is burned in every Giants fan's head is because, you know, Eli's not an emotional guy at all. Um, and then Tom's not an emotional guy at all, you know, and just... In fact, I, I went back and listened to that that press conference a couple of weeks ago, and it really brings the emotions out of every Giants fan. And um, and they all get together for, you know, their the annual kickball tournament, you know, and you know, with a lot of teams when they because you know every team does stuff like that, but with the Giants, it seems like more guys come back for stuff like that than any other team does. Yeah, another example is that uh, celebrity softball game that uh yeah that's uh, what I meant the softball game that's that the uh, super fan I think his name is Joe Rubeck but whatever but like he's able to bring all these giant players back together it helps sponsor the Tom Coughlin J fund it's the Giants organization is like a family if you if you are good to them and you like are not like a terrible person they will help you in return and that's why I love the Giants it's like a family organization yeah all right so I guess that'll be it reminiscing um. Quickly, kind of talk, looking forward, uh, we're going to be doing some, uh, you know, uh, combine stuff, draft stuff. But I w- we're going to talk about, you know, maybe some stuff that, that will get the Giants back to the Super Bowl. But I think we covered a lot, so I think we'll save that. And I don't think we're going to tell you anything you don't know. Uh, so we'll be doing some more detailed stuff. But we figured Super Bowl week, we got memories in our heads. We'd reminisce a little bit. So that's going to be it for an episode. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to follow us at Giants Nation Pod. And then our, our mother, Giants Nation NYC, follow our personals at Bobby Skinner NFL. And Danny is at Danny King WEG. So until we see you guys next time, go Big Blue. Go. Yeah.